Cochrane for all. Better evidence for better health decisions. And here's the conversation with Lyuba Litvin, PhD student at McMaster University and an extreme fan of evidence-based medicine. All right, so tell me about your work. Um, how do you get patients involved in, in research? So the particular work that I do is related to guidelines and how we can have uh, patients and caregivers on the guideline panels. And we involve them from the protocol um, development stage all the way up to the dissemination stage of the finalized manuscript. And we kind of view this in a very democratic way. So we think that um, patients and caregivers, they have an expertise that is also important in a multidisciplinary panel. And the kind of input they provide is on many levels. So we have kind of a formalized process of the things that we call upon them to do. Um, so specific tasks that they could help with. Um, and this, these tasks are not just for them. They're for everyone on the guideline panel. And then there's additional tasks that are kind of geared more towards them, such as the discussion about uh, patient values and preferences and uh, the degree to which things are important or not important for decision-making, and uh, also things like practical issues related to uh, management and care options. Yeah, well, full disclosure, I've been on two of the RapidRex um, projects that, that you've, you've been part of. Uh, one for knee arthroscopy, which is you know published and, and available for our most popular rapid rex by far, by the way. So wait, and um, I'm pr- currently part of the colorectal cancer screening um, rapid rex group too. But you know, there I think that there has been some useful work there with some of the how it will be presented to the public, and other and you know whether it's a decision aid or here's this new thing you can use. Um, you know, with uh, some of the conversations that I've had with some of your team members, uh, you know, around that. So that's, you know, if, if anyone ever asks you out there in, in Internet land, if you want to be part of a BMJ Rapid Rex group, the answer is yes. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> so what's had the most impact on you at the colloquium so far? What, you know, what has, has hit you the most, given you the most to think about? What's had the most impact? So there are a lot of different people here doing a lot of really incredible work. And I've just been amazed by the level of expertise that I've seen. And I think that there's a lot of similarities to how we do things, but also a lot of differences. And I feel that there's a lot of kind of room for us to individualize approaches. And I think a lot of us have kind of had these very um, uh, similar principles of respectful involvement and Um, kind of partnering and and the idea of fostering relationships. But also there's uh, another kind of voice um, from others that's saying that we really just need to build capacity for uh, patient and caregiver partners to kind of initiate their own research work and to um, maybe seek out on their own people that they want to partner with and kind of um, think more about just kind of having everyone involved in research and guideline development. So, you know, sort of a nothing about me without me in all directions, a 360, if you will, of, you know, everyone involved as opposed yeah. to having things served up to you that may or may not make any sense or may or, or may not be actually useful to the end user. I feel like there's a lot of different perspectives that I'm hearing and it's been really interesting. So some people are kind of very much um, patients have the best information, they have the best knowledge. 
um, you know, like you should include them at all costs. And then there's kind of more measured approaches that are saying, you know, maybe they don't always have um, the kind of best ideas and we can't really expect this to be something that would come out of that project and kind of um, the idea of kind of, uh, of working more on the way that we co-produce because it's very, it's a very buzzy word um, and there's not a lot of standards. But I mean, in general, there's not a lot of standards for patient public engagement. There's a lot of really good frameworks. What would you like to see more of at research meetings like this? You know, what, you know, do, do you have any ideas of how you could start to plant seeds for some of, you know, the, identifying some of the places where guidelines could emerge? Guidelines for For this uh, patient, you know, it'd be guidelines and standards for patient inclusion so that there's a little less, you know, wandering around lip service or, you know, putting all of the burden on, you know, one group. It's a, you know. Yeah, well, I, I mean, there's the active group that is Cochrane-led, and they are doing work on how to... Um, uh, how to do consumer engagement for systematic reviews, and they're just about to publish their work just in about a month. Um, and it's really incredible and very comprehensive. And then I'm part of a group called Muse. Uh, it's a great working group on multi-stakeholder engagement. Um, and we're working on the same kind of question, but for guidelines. So we're working with the active group collaboratively. We all kind of know each other. A lot of us are working on the same projects. And uh, we're at least trying to develop some standards but I still feel that you don't really need one set of standards. I think the thing that we're kind of lacking is um, groups that may not have all of this knowledge to just kind of try to start something. So try to find a framework that, uh, you know, is uh, in your local community because there are so many out there. And I feel that uh, people who have developed these frameworks, they're fairly good at disseminating their work. Um, so it shouldn't be too hard for you to find something. There's several different libraries of all of this patient engagement research and I think it's important to kind of encourage people to give it a shot I mean kind of um, decide what's important to you as uh, so let's say if you're a researcher or a policy developer um, or a patient yourself uh, you know what is important to you and then think about how you're going to get there and what kind of you know tools you need to get there and sort of have an ongoing process of improving whatever you're doing um, because there's not a whole lot of kind of, um, I don't want to use the word iterative because you earlier. Ah, <laughs> uh, ongoing, ongoing. Yeah, yeah, ongoing, yeah. Yeah, but it's just the, the idea of like even, like you have to start somewhere. Mm -hmm. That's what I feel like there needs to be a little bit more of because I'm around so many like-minded people and they're doing such cool stuff. But in the kind of quote-unquote real world, there are so many people that won't even do, you know, a little bit of patient engagement. Or consumer well, engagement. for all of this, I always just go back to my my one of my my gurus, the late Arthur Ashe. Start where you are, use what you have, yeah. do what you can, because that's what I do every day. I get up, that's what I do, and you know, I, I think that there's perhaps a place for that here too. But you got to start somewhere. Now, I'm going to flip this a little bit and ask, what's your sense of how the research community might shift its thinking to the point of approaching the community that will be affected by this research first and saying what matters to you rather than coming up with a research question and then going out and saying, hey, community, we're going to do this. What do you think the odds are on that? You think that could ever happen? I think it should happen, and that's one of the conversations we were having. Uh, the I think a lot of the issue is that it's very hard to do this kind of work without any kind of funding, 
And because you get funding based on the project that you propose, um, that means you're kind of already too late. So one way of doing this is to, when you're developing proposals of what kind of projects you want to do, then to involve people in the development process. I know there was a grant from the um, uh, kind of patient-oriented research group in Canada where they actually had uh, seed grants. So there was funding that they would give for you to be able to engage, like to pay people to engage them to develop your protocol for submission. Instead of saying, please volunteer your time, we don't know if it's going to get funded, and often it isn't, um, you know, and just kind of hoping that something's going to work out. And the other thing is really to just encourage funders to do more work on priority setting partnerships and different kind of priority exercises and kind of communicating to the funders that we need to stop kind of focusing so strongly on giving money only to um, people who know kind of like the scientific aspects of the research and people who would know kind of the more practical issues and have really valuable knowledge and information. I've, you know, seen so many presentations of kind of patient and care-led research or things where, you know, people, researchers or clinicians or whoever it is kind of approaches um, the situation and the patients and caregivers totally switch the way that they were thinking about it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if that happens, like, fairly often, I don't know. It, it's hard to say because there are people that are skeptical and there's work that has It's been an done. iterative process. Yeah. <laughs> Cochrane for All. Better evidence for everyone. Follow the hashtag Cochrane for All to get the science and evidence to empower better decisions. Mm-hmm.